The Buffalo Bills have enjoyed plenty of success under Brandon Bean, but no Super Bowl appearances in a very tough AFC have led to some questions about the GM. We're examining the good, bad, and reality of Brandon Bean today on Locked on Bills. You are Locked on Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate you all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NFL, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Well, folks, if you're on YouTube, you already know what's up. Greg Thompson from Cover One is here, and I wanted to have a Brandon Bean conversation at some point this offseason, and I didn't want to do it alone, and you know, there's a guy out there that studies Brandon Bean and predicts everything that Brandon Bean's going to do and measures Brandon Bean against other teams all the time. He lives in this headspace. So do I. So I figured I'd collaborate with Greg Thompson to talk about the good, the bad, and the reality of Brandon Bean. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, as always. Really excited. And how nice is it to talk about a, a, a GM that there's finally more good than bad? It's, it's really a nice feeling. <laughs> Man, we went through. We went through them. We went through them. We're not. Do, we're not talking about Tom Dono or or Marv Levy, right? He was a GM. That was weird. Uh, Doug Whaley, Ross Brandon. Today's about Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean. And so let's let's start this conversation, Greg, by considering where Brandon Bean is underrated. Right? I think we'll get into where we think criticism is warranted. I think we're going to get into the reality of Brandon Bean, but. When I say, hey, you know what, Brandon Bean is really underrated at blank. What's that prevailing thought for you? So it's funny. Each of these categories that that we, you know, you kind of prepared for and had, I I had some initial thoughts and you and you go to where, okay, I know he's really good at this. I know I'm going to talk about that. Okay, I know he's, you know, if we're going to nit, uh, nitpick here, I know he struggles there. Um, and you kind of have some of those initial anchoring moments as you're preparing for this. And it's funny, like it depends on what you think of first, how far back you go, what time frame. We're to the point now where there's enough sample size. You can really pick pros and cons in each bucket of drafting, free agency, big money free agency versus, you know, the the value signings and stuff like that. And all the different extending or reworking contracts, all the different pieces of it. So one of the things that comes to mind for me and when I think of underrated, it's going to be something where isn't the first thing that everybody thinks of. Everybody, of course, thinks of the, the Josh Allen pick and some of the bigger swings and bringing in guys like Von Miller and pieces like that. I think his most underrated skill is working within the inner workings and nuance of the CBA, of the salary cap, and that things that we used to only talk about as, uh, oh, those weird things that Mickey Loomis does down in New Orleans. And now, and we always would 
have our general manager or owner talk to us about, you know, cash to cap ratio. And we, you know, we, we have to operate within a different structure here in Buffalo. Brandon Bean has now shown an incredibly adept skill at utilizing all the tools and every switch that can be flipped, every lever that can be pulled. He can do all those things to give us the full menu of options that any NFL team has. We now use all of them. We now use, you know, future guaranteed option bonuses that haven't even hit yet, but are going to prorate. We now restructure just about everything that's not bolted down. We now do the sign a, you know, veteran free agent with four void years tacked on to, to shrink down his cap space. We now have a player like Matt Milano where we do a restructure the year before and kick out void years. And then the next year come back and say, you want to know what you outplayed what we were expecting. Let's convert those void years into real contract extension years and don't let it blow things up. Um, So I I think just, we don't realize that every team doesn't get this. There are plenty Mm -hmm. of other teams that are having the old Ralph Wilson cash, you know, Russ Brandon cash to cap ratio. And, you know, there are nervous fans in Cincinnati. Are they going to outlay all the guaranteed money to extend Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T Higgins? We don't have that concern. And that part of that is Terry Pagula's wide open checkbook. God bless him for cutting those checks. Mm -hmm. Keep cutting checks, Terry. You're doing a great job. And now, a team, not just Brandon Bean, him and his his you know other cap nerds like me that he has on his actual salary and on his actual payroll. I think the most underrated piece is we've now opened the entire menu of possibilities to our franchise, and we didn't have that for a long, long time. Huge man, um, and I'm glad that you brought up Terry Pagula, right? I mean, it's hard to it's hard a lot of times to figure out the amount of credit that the owner gets, right? But when he says the wallet is open, it's true. Like Brandon Bean's able to work in those parameters because Terry Pagula is willing to write big checks. Like he has squeezed, Brandon Bean has squeezed everything that he possibly can into this roster. And what the angle that I would go here that I think complements a lot of what you talked about for me in terms of the underappreciated components of Brandon Bean is. I've lived through this for the last three years, and and you have too, Greg, where the Bills lose in the playoffs, and you're told that that was the best football team they'll ever have around Josh Allen. That's it. It's as good as it'll ever be. They're over the cap. They're going to have to pay all these players. It won't get better. For three years in a row, it objectively has. They lost that AFC Championship game. It was not the best team that they will ever have around Josh Allen. They lost 13 seconds. That was not the best team that they'll ever have around Josh Allen. They lost to the Bengals last year, and that was not the best team they'll ever have around Josh Allen because I saw him do it again. $18 million over the salary cap. And the players that he was able to add to this roster, while literally having nothing, negative cap space, late picks in every round, objectively, this team is better. And so for him to be able to work within those parameters that are available because of Terry Pagula and put together championship caliber rosters, I know they haven't won it yet. I get it. I think he's done a really nice job. Yeah, I think it really goes a long ways. My my uh, preferences, whenever, don't get me wrong, I think there's some really good owners that really do drive the needle i think robert Kraft, annoyingly as it is i think is a genuinely good owner who 
walks that line of involvement, but driving forward, being a voice in the league, there's probably some things there that Terry hasn't quite gotten to. But my criteria is hire smart people, cut every check they ask, get out of the way. Mm. That's it. That's all I want in an owner. Hire smart people, cut every check they ask, and get out of the way. Terry does all three of those things to a T. He's perfect for me. If you had anything else to bring up here, what would you, what were where would you go for um, so components? There's some others. I think that if I had to pick an area that has the highest batting average, because I think now everything else, whether it's draft picks, big signings, small signings, trades, now you're on a spectrum of like, hey, are there more hits than misses? I'm going to go with his ability to hit on the value signings. I think that's where he's really underrated and does a nice job. That, of course, there are some Vernon Butlers. There are some OJ Howards. He's not flawless, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of like th- this season is looking to line up as maybe our best ever because he pretty much could only go, you know, thrift shopping <laughs> and looking in the bargain bins. Mm-hmm. And the amount of the that's the fact that every Bills fan is going to know what I talk about when I say $1.77 million contract. How silly is it that that's going to register mm-hmm. with most of the people listening and watching right now is that that's a thing. Because we signed like six guys to that contract. We're like, oh, and again, lean into him leveraging every possibility within the CBA. Oh, hey, there's a threshold that's very likely to fall underneath the compensatory pick formula number. If we want to add anybody, hey, here's our number if you want to come get it. And he got Damian Harris and David Edwards and Taylor Rapp and like impactful real Mm -hmm. players to come sign for that number. And then the ones that didn't, he circled back later on and waited to sign Puna Ford and waited to sign Brandon Shell and waited to sign, um, you know, Leonard Floyd, who's outside of that value. He he was yeah. a real, I won't count Connor McGovern or Leonard Floyd in the value bucket. Um, but that window, we've had a lot more hits than misses. You know, obviously everybody debates on does like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer count under Brandon <laughs> Bean and when, when were phone calls taking place and when were those things happening? Um, but those are the windows where we've had some really nice hits and some really good guys that later on extended, stayed with the franchise later. So I think if there was a second thing underneath yeah. utilizing all the tools we didn't have before, I think he's done uh, the highest hit rate on that value signing button. Yeah. I'll, I'll touch on one other thing here, and that's uh, his ability to find really good people, like good human beings. Uh, we've been really proud of the people that have been part of this organization, and Brandon Bean has a huge has everything to do with that, right? It's he signs off on these moves and um, you hear players come in and talk about the group of guys and you hear the high profile players talk about how they trust the front office to bring in like-minded ind- individuals that will come in and have the right DNA to, to fit in and, and be part of the group. And, and I think he's done a really good job of finding good football players, but finding good football players that fit and uh, want to be part of uh, what's happening in Buffalo. And I think that's pretty, pretty special. All right, we're going to get into where some criticism is warranted for Brandon Bean here in just a moment. But first, I need to tell you about Bird Dogs. Absolutely love this brand. Their shorts, their joggers are awesome. They make you look good. They have this uh, stretch khaki shorts, right? They're designed to fit slimmer through your thigh and leg. They give you that sculpted look, and they fit so much better than regular shorts that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed that problem. They invented cloud knit fabric that... Looks just like khaki, but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. I love them. Great for the golf course. Great for date night. I can wear uh, a polo with these bird dog shorts 
And it's like I'm wearing gym shorts, but they look like khakis, and my wife thinks I dressed up. It's amazing. You got to check them out. They also have this anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash NFL right now. Enter promo code LOCKDOWNNFL. You get a free Yeti-style tumbler with every order. I got to center that up in the, the, the page here for those watching on YouTube. Uh, that's birddogs.com slash NFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. Folks, get you, get you some bird dogs, and you won't want to take them off. We promise you. All right, Greg. We gave Brandon Bean some flowers here to open up the conversation. And now it's time to look at, all right, well, where has there been some areas where criticism is warranted? And, you know, I know that he hasn't yet uh, put together a Super Bowl winning um, roster to go with Josh Allen. Um, And there's a lot of tension out there amongst the fan base about, um, you know, is there the right stuff in place to maximize this opportunity? Because everybody wants that Super Bowl so, so bad. But when we really take an objective look at this, where do you find areas of Brandon Bean where there's actually criticism warranted? So I think the the best news I can give fans is this isn't that easy to do to find like the area that you want to give genuine criticism. I actually struggled here for a minute, like picking out what I wanted because I think some of the initial reaction are things that I don't I don't believe is a thing or a trait like I don't think like oh drafting day two defensive lineman that's not a thing like that's not a skill that's not a that's not something that a person struggles with because every team whiffs in the draft like right now uh I know you know yours and 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 Kyle's awesome show on uh at lockdown NFL scouting you know if you guys hold it it's pretty unanimous right now who the best gm in the league is it's probably howie roseman like i I won't even make that argument he has enough of a track record now he uses every tool every analytical element and leans all the way in and does as good a job as anybody can do well guess what he's the reason justin jefferson's in minnesota the man chose jalen rager when justin jefferson was sitting there right in front of him and Mm -hmm. took one of the biggest first round wide receiver busts we've seen when the alternative was one of the best late first round wide receivers we've seen in NFL history. And he just completely whiffed. That's the best GM in the entire NFL. Nobody bats a thousand. Nobody. Everybody whiffs. Everybody has hits and misses. So, of course, Brandon Bean's also in there. So, I, I want to say, I'm going to kind of be hypocritical of myself. I think Brandon Bean's biggest area of criticism and most warranted is because of the the process because of the the parameters he builds in because their mantra is draft develop retain resign i think if there's anything to criticize brandon bean of it's maybe anchoring a little bit too much to some of his you know maybe at the time not sure if they were misses or not but waiting and holding on and sometimes even extending or bringing guys back that you're not 100% sure on. We've seen a few alternatives where, you know, he did trade away some people like Cody Ford and some different pieces there. But for the most part, um, we've had some questions on who should make a final roster and maybe some tiebreaker goes to a draft pick over a guy that maybe we should have kept around and we've seen work out in another place. Um, Or that, hey, you know, maybe we should have cut bait and moved on from that guy, traded him away, not extended him. Um, right now, people may question the contract, the the extension that was given to Dawson Knox, the uh, initial re- response to Ed Oliver. I think, you know, we've both spent some time 
explaining why and how there's still value to be had there, but it's a questionable, it's a debatable topic. Neither of them were slam dunk values in saying, oh yes, this is absolutely going to be something that pays off down the line. So if I'm going to bring something into question, it's probably going to be for good reason. We've had way more Taron Johnson's and Tyler Bass's and Josh Allen's and Deion Dawkins and way more players that were drafted, developed, retained and re-signed and many more contracts that have ended up being a value in hindsight because we he did that early. But if you're going to lean into anything, I would say maybe there's some anchoring to his initial decision-making. And like all of us, wanting to prove himself right, wanting to prove his scouts right, wanting to prove his coaches right, and maybe waiting on a beat too long on a few of those guys. For me, Greg, um, I'm going to go to a position group where I think that he's really just got a poor track record, and it's guard. I think he's really struggled to stabilize the two guard spots on either side of Mitch Morse. And um, I mean, look at it like this. The bills have yet under Brandon Bean as a general manager to have the same primary starter at left guard or right guard year over year. It, ha- it hasn't happened yet. And they've been through some doozies, man. They- they've been through uh, Feliciano, Brian Winters, Quentin Spain, uh, the, you know, there's, it's been a revolving door. And the one guy that he hit on, the one guy that he hit on was Wyatt Teller, and he traded him too soon, right? I, I just, I, it, they haven't gotten it right. Um, and there's enough of a track record here for me to say, you know what, maybe you got to rethink how you look at the position. Now they went with some another swing in Connor McGovern this year to play left guard, and I think he'll be a perfectly fine left guard. Roger Saffold last year, right? I mean, there's just been some doozies, man. Yeah. Um, Wait, let so, me flip one around to you on, on that one. Yeah. Do you think that maybe one of the flaws could be him overcorrecting as he sees things? I know uh, as you talk about your everydayers, I am proudly yeah. uh, a, a part of that crew. I know that you talked about, you know, was the Ed Oliver extension in response to waiting on Tremaine Edmonds, seeing yeah. him flourish in year five, wanting to get ahead of that. Is him holding on and putting, I, I don't want to say all the eggs, because I guess one egg is in a Brandon Chill basket, but an awful lot of eggs in the yeah. Spencer Brown basket. Is that because of him feeling like he cut bait too early on Wyatt Teller? Is, is that maybe a thing <laughs> that he's overcorrecting? That's a good way to put it. And and I think you're aware that I'm I'm probably as high as anybody on Spencer Brown this coming year, but I've even said, man, I'd have done a lot more to bring in competition. I, I was very happy that Brandon Shell was eventually brought in, but I mean, there was a point in time here where it wasn't anything different, right? You lost Bobby Hart. You brought back Questenbury. You hope Tommy Doyle gets healthy. And that was your situation at tackle. Um, so maybe there is something to that. I think it's good that he did bring in Brandon Shell to have at least a guy that started a lot of games at right tackle and has has proven to be serviceable. So that that's that was a great uh, better late than never type signing. So, yeah, maybe there is some, hey, maybe there's some, I learned something here. Um, and, and that would apply to Spencer Brown. But I think when you look at the guard situation, it has just been zero stability. And, look, I, I can appreciate – thinking of guard as a non-premium position. And, you know, as long as you don't have a tomato can in there and Josh Allen's your quarterback, so he's going to compensate for some O-line deficiencies and you can reallocate those resources elsewhere. But there has just been too many misses. Um, And so that's where I would say there's criticism warranted uh, when I consider Brandon Bean. I think it's that guard position that just has not been stabilized. Anything else in this this bucket you want to get into, Greg? No, I I think, like you said, some of it's kind of hard 
to get into. I guess if I tried to put something reasonable, we've seen, I don't know how you would describe it, maybe too much, um, I would say leaning too conservatively on day two of the draft. Maybe yeah, no, going this is good. for yeah. a bit more. Because, like, again, I don't want to try to label something. I don't think like, oh, hey, we, we can't draft Zay Flowers because the last time we drafted a receiver named Zay, it went poorly. Like that's People not a thing. People think that, though, but I, they do. God, it's absolutely insane. Believe me, my yeah. replies show me. Yeah. So, like, some th- are like, oh, man, we don't need another defensive end from Iowa. But that's not a thing. That's not a thing. You can't do that. So I'm trying to figure out, like, okay, there is enough of a trend here that, hey, we haven't been awesome on day two. Like, it's, yeah. it hasn't been a, a sweet spot for us. So what is that? Day two is often guys who fell out of day one because of some flaw, because of some concern, because of an injury red flag, because of poor measurables. There was a reason that they didn't go in the top 32. Or a crazy fast riser that came in. And that there's always this, this intersection between the two in that group that's top 100 picks. So is there something there where the reason we've missed is that some of our misses are on a little bit older prospects, guys who are a bit of a tweener that like, hey, they checked a lot of our boxes, but there's a reason they fell to this point. They talked about, hey, if it wasn't for Boogie Basham being on the board, we would have traded down. Well, like, why was why did Boogie Basham change? Like, I I liked him coming to the draft. Obviously, I... I, I give Brandon Bean a hard time, but I was wrong too. I, I was intrigued by the prospect. I didn't understand why we took a second DN, but that's a whole separate conversation. Um, you know, what is it that's sticking out there? So all I can think of is that there's a little bit too conservative of a lean in yeah. some of those areas that maybe on day two, I wish we took a little bit stronger of a swing yeah. on upside. Yeah, I'm glad. that was the other thing that I had here was day two. I think his his resume could be better there. Yeah. And I could hear, like, in we're recording this, like, a couple days before it's actually going to launch. But I could hear Bill's Mafia in my ear right now saying, you know what, Joe, you better bring up day two. Because yeah. while Brandon Bean's out there drafting Cody Ford and, um, and A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham, the Chiefs are drafting Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey and, and, uh, and Nick. What did I say Nick Bolton? I, if I said him twice, I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, those types of players – um, you know, they got Chris Jones on day two. Look at the Bengals. They got Logan Wilson and, and T Higgins and Cam Taylor Britt and uh, you know, these Sam Hubbard day two picks, you know, like he's just not measuring up there. So like, I get it. Yeah. And, and I think that that is where you can find some of the difference right now uh, in where the Bengals and chiefs are able to get to compared to where the bills are. I think he does need to be better on day two of the draft. And so, and I brought up the Howie Roseman one, so I'll bring it back to our friends uh, in Kansas City and Brett Beach. Um, I, I, I request for our fans to go out and look at the Kansas City Chiefs drafts in 2018, 2019, and 2020 because they're horrendous. Yeah, and that yes. They've now had back-to-back years with some really good hits, really good drafts. Everybody talked about how many of their 2022 draft picks played. Some of that was because they had to. They opened up a ton of openings in their roster, and they had no choice. They, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl because Patrick Mahomes, not because they played a bunch of rookies, just FYI. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you go back, they also had a three-year stretch where they got literally no one no contributors in three full draft classes and that it just they happen to have Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and you know uh Tyree Kill and it it just covered over all of that and then hit on back-to-back classes we don't know right now 
But Brandon Bean could have just done that. Like, it's not like all of a sudden guys are always good drafters or never good drafters. Teams whiff. Teams have bad draft classes and that it just doesn't pan out because the very best guys hit 40%, 50%, maybe in runs. Lots of drafts are like 30%. If you get two good contributors, it was a good class. So all of a sudden we could have hit on one of those. And that area, I think fans often tell themselves that oh that's just the way it is he is a good drafter or he is a bad drafter it's not the case even our best gms have huge whiffs and that they can still come back and hit i got a great follow-up point that i want to bring up here after a quick break as greg and i continue this conversation today on lockdown bills focusing next on the reality of brandon bean and where he is among the nfl gms greg to kind of build on the point that you made there about brett veach and some of his lulls if you will as a drafter i can think of no greater example than john schneider with the seattle seahawks who he had a couple of drafts where i mean this dude i mean he was unbelievable bobby wagner russ wilson cam chancellor earl richard sherman i mean just 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 unbelievable drafting and then he went like six seven years i would have said eight if you had asked me i would have said eight years he went forever and then guess what? Somehow last year, he found himself again, right? Yeah. Two tackles, two corners, like premium positions hitting out. Ken the Walker. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Cross, Lucas, Tariq Wollin, Ken Walker, Kobe Bryant, and all of a sudden, John Schneider's back, and then it feels like he had another good draft, right? Yeah. yeah. This stuff happens, man. Howie Roseman, there was a big talking point. I, I have a lot of friends that are Eagles fans, and I remember having conversations with them where they're coming to me, and they're like, Joe, Howie can't draft. He can't draft. You know, the only pro bowler he's drafted has been Dallas Goder, right? Or some kind of crap like that that people would tell you. This stuff, there is, there's ebbs and flows to it. And there's, we call it an inexact science for a reason, right? Like there is, if there was a 10-step a guide to like be a great drafter every year, you wouldn't have as much turnover as you do a general manager. So, yeah. Yeah, guys who, and I think you're closer to this than any of us, guys who genuinely devote their entire careers and their livelihood and and feeding their family by their ability to identify talent coming out of college football into the pros, those guys are probably below 50-50 in their ability to do that let alone all the rest of us. And, and again, yeah. you're closer to them than, than you are with the rest of us that I lump in there and the fact that you genuinely scout these players. So I think the standard we hold everybody to is always grossly tilted towards recency bias and unfairly measured against a standard that isn't realistic. And I think the sooner that we see that, like your our examples for, for Roseman and for Schneider are perfect in Beach. They're like really, really good GMs. No one's going to argue any the top of the three five of them right are, now. If you stack yeah, them up, they're top yeah, five, top five. And they also had ridiculous periods of time with all misses or very, very poor track records. So let's get into the reality of Brandon Bean. Like, We've, we went through where he's really good. We went through where he deserves some criticism. We brought in some parallels that we kind of got into the last segment there with, with uh, what we want to get into here. But, like, the reality here. You know, I, I, I'll kind of just get us started with this thought. I think Brandon Bean's an outstanding NFL general manager. But because the Bills have not won a Super Bowl, there is just a different lens that he's viewed. There's tension. People are anxious. You know, I th- we all want the Super Bowl so bad, like in a big way. And because it hasn't happened yet, the scrutiny is very, very significant. 
But I think in reality, the Bills have one of the best general managers in the NFL. I agree. When you said earlier it's top five, he's the top five for me. Now, I, I won't fight back when other objective parties might have him seventh or ninth or something because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. And if you want to have the tiebreaker, go to GMs who have, you know, driven Super Bowl winning uh, rosters, by all means. I, I will respect that and I will not uh, fight against that within reason. You know, th- there's a handful I'd probably nitpick. Um, but I, I get it. So, the good part is I think all the rest of the boxes are checked there. And I know yours and my replies on social media are filled with impatient fans who are very much ready for this to happen and want to want every single decision to be, you know, that next step in like the thing that wins us the Super Bowl. Because until we do, that's the threshold that's there. And I, I know we talked pre-show as we were preparing the Bills and the Eagles. Uh, fan bases, Philadelphia fans and Buffalo fans have a lot of correlation, you know, super rabid, well-respected, maybe a little on the cynical or negative side of things and a little emotional in their reactions to things. And that just getting that one has now given this huge release of tension in that Philadelphia fan base. And that now last year's season can be viewed as a success. They didn't win the Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl. But it's not the mm. worst thing that's ever happened because, hey, it was a really good season. And, yeah, we won one a couple years ago, and it would have been cool to win another one. But, no, nah, it was still a really good season. We're excited about the future. Look at how talented this roster is. There's no woe is me, you know, disastrous view from Eagles fans for losing the Super Bowl because they're able to have that perspective because they got one. So until Brandon Bean delivers that, He's going to be viewed in a more critical lens. He's going to be held to that standard of, yeah, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be good enough until we do. Yeah, The reality that fans need to accept is he's exceptional at this job. He's really, really, really good. And that, no, I'm not going to make the argument he's the best GM in the NFL, but he's damn good. And that for every, you know, Trent Murphy or Star Latule, there's an awful lot more Deion Dawkins and Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen's, and there's way more hits. And for every, you know, Carlos Basham draft pick, well, there's a Taron Johnson, and there's there's just so many more hits than misses in every category. I went through the draft. I went through big expenditure contracts. I went through extensions. I went through trades. I went through value signings. I I went through day one versus day two versus day three picks. He's above average in almost everything. Like I, we picked about the couple in the warranted criticism, and, and I think that we I accurately identified things he he could get better at. He's really, really good at just about everything. Like his ability to build a staff, his ability to identify talent, his ability to develop, to have a coaching staff that helps develop talent that is able to extend and keep people back around. The you know I we'll see how some things go with Tremaine Edmonds or Devin Singletary uh, outside of Buffalo. But I got to tell you, there are an awful lot of guys mm. who have gotten away the last couple of years who all of a sudden were like, oh, man, imagine if we still had that one. Yeah. How often in our lives, how many all Jason Peters and Marshawn Dude, Lynch's and constantly. I remember, I remember we were, putting together like for, the yeah. all-former Bills team. Right, like we were the AAA the squad. Yeah, we yeah. were the place that people came to get their talented players and take their Jarius Birds and take their Antonio Williams and take their, Annual you know, Pat, 
oh, tequila spikes, everybody. Like, oh, everybody just went other places to flourish. It doesn't happen anymore. Like, we name the best former Bill currently in the NFL. It's playing for something else. Antoine Winfield playing for other teams. Come on. Yeah. Like, Matt Williams playing for the Vikings. Give me him back. We'll see Tremaine Edmonds this year, uh, like how that goes, and that he's probably the first one that has a chance to flourish outside of here. But let's see if he lives up to that contract. We'll see how that goes. Brandon Bean, the reality is he's really, really good at this, and really, really good doesn't mean perfect. Really, really good doesn't mean flawless. Really, really good doesn't mean is never going to miss but he misses less than most of everybody else. And that that's a really good feeling to have. And the kind of guy who's going to keep like you brought up, keep that window open. This window isn't closing because he finds creative ways to keep it open. And he is a huge part of that. And the reason that our new reality is every year, we're one of the teams with the best chances to win the Super Bowl, is because Brandon Bean finds a way to keep wedging that window open. Yeah. And you study far into the future, just like me. I'm unconcerned for like at least three or four more years. Yeah. And as we, and as this year goes behind us and I look further into the future, I think I'm going to remain unconcerned. I feel like he's got really good structure in place for this to um, be wide open for a very, very long time. Um, And so I'm glad that Brandon Bean's the one calling the shots. Greg, you've been an outstanding guest per usual. Uh, Greg Thompson sports show cover one Buffalo. Let's uh, let's get a little opportunity in here to, make sure that folks can continue keeping up with your outstanding analysis. Absolutely. And the reason I was excited for this show is um, I'm going to be doing something a little bit similar to this later tonight. Uh, So on uh, this Friday night, as you're listening to this on the Greg Thompson sports show, I had a question from a cover one. We love our Slack channel and our, our premium members that come in and talk to us. And it's a great opportunity to, to be able to get together with more bills fans. Um, I got a good question about, Hey, we know that we're, leveraging a lot of these things and there's a lot of void years and how does the future look like how mm. much of that have we like already earmarked in the future and i said you want to that's a, that's a great question let me do that so i'm going to do a show tonight that is going to air uh nine o'clock on the cover one youtube channel going through what does the future look like and how much have we already taken advantage of how many more times can we restructure josh allen before it's too many how many other contracts for expiring players are coming up that hey we actually will get some cap savings because it's time to move on from those players um different things like that that i can give an idea where i think the cap is going where i think some of the things align with the bills options and how much trouble do we have coming forward and um i got i got a sneak preview we'll get some good news check it out folks i definitely will be Greg Tomset on Twitter at Greg Tomset Cover One Buffalo. Greg Tomset Sports Show. Just follow him on Twitter. You can keep up with everything. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Thanks as always for being here. I do kindly ask that you subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. Have a great weekend. Go Bills. I look forward to catching up with you again Monday.